0: I'm not sure what award or t-shirt title anybody would be giving on this podcast, but I can assure you it would not be most handsomest podcaster. More on that and a new metric that says the Guardians are most balanced to take advantage of baseball's new rules on today's Locked On Guardians.
1: You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the
0: Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I'm Jeff. That's Justin. We have a center field debate. We have a new metric, which is everyone's favorite based on our comments and, uh, you know, just some of the general news in camp. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day where you get podcasts. We've got your team covered every day. Um, I'm going to pull this down. You might have noticed I'm changing the background. What I want from fans is do you want it to be something that's only sports or do you want to keep it a little more personal with our thoughts? We're kind of taking ideas and then using those also with our discussions with the overall network. So what do you want? Do you want it to just be kind of sports, 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 or do you like, you know someone commented on the turtles machine over there, but uh, yeah, let us know.
0: Love the inch Turtles. Are you going to watch the new cartoon? Is there, is it a movie or a new cartoon?
1: I'm not entirely sure if I'm being honest, my daughter and I, have played uh, Shredder's Revenge, absolutely Ooh. to death. If you uh, if you have not played that and you have a kid, my you know I, I do a lot of the heavy lifting because she's five, but you know she she loved that you know April was a character. She could finally play as a girl in get ga- in a turtle's game because you know we played the cabinet over there for a long time. So, but it, it's just an awesome game. So I'll, I'll throw that recommendation out there right now. Uh, it's a really fun game in general.
0: I had an ant dressed up as a ninja turtle for my birthday one time so I was I was a huge nerd as a kid. I was still a huge uh, nerd, but I, I was no definitely
1: a ninja turtle for something like first through third grade. So you know I, I can't that tracks. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um okay so I I don't mean to I wasn't trying to insult you but I was saying I, I've always got had a, a face for for radio personally. So anybody who's watching this podcast on on YouTube, I'm so sorry. But um I don't I don't know if any either of us are winning any any titles for most handsomest podcasts anytime soon, but, uh, as you know, (laughs) yeah, I don't think anybody about put my, please don't put my face on a t-shirt. Nobody wants that. No, nobody. There's not even my fiance doesn't want that. My mom doesn't want, nobody wants that. Um, but that doesn't mean that the guardians couldn't have fun at the expense. If you didn't see over the off season, some new, speaking of metrics, we're going to talk about this new, another metric here, uh, it was—I don't know how they determined. That. I think it was voted on, but the Tito won the most handsomest manager in baseball, and of course the Guardians couldn't let that go without um, being something they—they they did in camp. They weren't just going to let him earn that title and not give him a bunch of crap for it. So they all showed up with a bunch of T-shirts with his face on it, and the title it says most handsome manager. I, I knew—I I heard that at Guards Fest, they—they they announced that at Guards Fest, and. I was like, "Yeah, that's not the last we've heard of that." I'm pretty sure, some someone's going to show up, and there's going to be pay- newspapers or, or printouts attached to his office or on the walls of spring training. And they showed up with a T-shirt. I, I would wear this T-shirt though. Would you wear this T-shirt if you're if you're watching on YouTube? We have the video. You have the I, screenshot. I,
1: I I would not, but uh, I do wonder <laughs> at the risk of getting myself in trouble. Like, how much of this comes down to him just being like one of three managers everybody knows.
0: That's fair. I Could you name all 30 managers right no. now? Could you? No. No. Nope. Could you name all the AL Central managers?
1: Nope.
0: Rocco Baldelli okay. in Minnesota. Yes. Pedro Griefall in, in Chicago. Chicago. Detroit is? is Oz-
1: no, it's um not Osmus. It's um, they have a new manager catcher. this catcher. Do they? See, I already would have got it wrong. They have
0: a new manager this year. I can't even do it. and. Kansas City is Matt Kataro, former obviously Cleveland coach, which I had forgotten. Uh, Kansas City's as well. That went in one ear, not the other. Yeah, Detroit's got a new manager too, and I can't now. I can't remember who who brought it. In. I shouldn't off the top of my head, but uh, okay. So you wouldn't wear that T-shirt? I don't know. That's, that's I just make sure nobody ever puts my face on a T-shirt. I don't think anybody wants that. But uh, I'm glad. I'm glad the team had fun at his expense because you knew that was going to come back around, and there was no chance they were just going to let that go without having a little fun with Tito. But that is. I don't know, a great encapsulation of the clubhouse. Is it not like they could sit there and make fun of him and he's good at making fun of himself. And that certainly makes things better. I think that that just shows you how close this team is and how they feel about each other.
1: No, I mean, like I said, it's just the perfect opportunity for them to make fun of him and in a good natured way, which is everything in that clubhouse.
0: Is a good way to do it. I, I there the t-shirt was was really well done. I my only suggestion was to was a newspaper printout or something uh on the wall. Uh Jeff, team injury. I feel like we're we're on the other side of things a little bit. So there's some updates. Um on Guardians are off on Tuesday in, in camp. They are not playing uh, a game schedule. I think they're playing like a B game. So they got guys playing on backfields and throwing games, whatever like that, but nothing scheduled on the spring training docket. But on Wednesday uh, Daniel De Los Santos, who had been dealing with the left hamstring strain, he is scheduled to pitch. Uh, Cody Morris is going to throw off a mound. They hope this week, we're not sure yet, but they're hoping he will. Uh, Nick Sandlin is going to pitch uh, on Wednesday as well. He is scheduled to throw behind Plisak, Karen Check, and Stefan, and actually Sandlin and De Los Santos back to back the same day. So that's good news. Um, and George Valera, it was just, I think we said, I think we mentioned this the other day, just uh, wrist inflammation or wrist discomfort. It was just, uh, inflammation after an MRI. He is doing bat handling exercises, whatever. What is it? I don't know what a bat handling exercise is. Like, I guess I'd have to be in
1: sounds like what teenagers do buzzing. Let's move on. Um,
0: all right. Well, that's the end of that. That and, was all the good news. There's all of things um, Jeff is getting into this that you don't want to go towards, <laughs> but,
1: uh, no, I mean, it's like, Hey, you know, uh, I just keep waiting for the day since Bo Naylor was my first pick in the first pick in the entire draft. They're like, we're going to wake up to the news that like his foot fell off in this, his sleep or something like that. I just, I'm still waiting for the, the ultimate, like, or, or a, a literal, a literal hammer will drop onto him and break his foot. That's what will happen. But, um, I,
0: Someone's got a voodoo doll of your team everywhere. I think that's what I, it is. They're just I like, okay.
1: Right? I mean, we're yeah. competing teams. So I would assume. So there you heard it. It's all of these injuries to my, you know, Chase the ladder and Daniel Spino or, or Justin, he's, he's got the voodoo doll.
0: Yeah. it's um, me. I'm just trying to poke little holes in everybody.
1: Just, you know, caring more about- I care uh, more about
0: I care <laughs> more about my imaginary team care about. But team. we can't really judge
1: about uh, what's going on. Um, but speaking of things that care and, and companies that care, uh, our first sponsor of the day are our good friends over at LinkedIn. And listen, LinkedIn, we appreciate them because they came back to us. That's always a nice thing when a company trusts you enough to come back. And if you want the type of help, I can say this uh for the past year at my job we've had the biggest time with hiring uh it is hard getting good candidates it's hard getting people who you know you can count on every day it is a minefield when it comes to hiring staff and right now the good people at linkedin are here to help you you want to go to linkedin jobs to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free i might recommend this to my school board then add your job and purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So I small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires. LinkedIn jobs helps you find quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash lockdown That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions
0: apply. New metrics, everyone's favorite thing, new metrics. You, you would think, Jeff, that when it comes to new math and new metrics, I would be like, last. Yeah, you, you brought I, this up. Um, I know. I, <laughs> I I try not to bring up math, and I know every, not everybody who listens to our show likes metrics, but we're going to keep this pretty simple, and I don't think it's going to be a super hard thing to pick up or understand, because that's the new rules. But uh I didn't do the math on this. Somebody else did the math for me. I can read and, and figure out things and people do the math for me. It's me having to do the math is where I get in trouble. So uh blame it I'd say blame not one of my high school teachers, but really it's my fault, let's be honest here. Um 538, the metric site. They do a lot of sports, politics, science, all that kind of stuff. Um, this is written by Neil Payne. It is called the Manfred Rank, the winners and losers of baseball's new rules. And what is the Manfred rank, you might ask? Manfred I mean, is Is it a
1: measure of stinking and being horrible at your job, completely ineffective?
0: It could be. I think one could interpret it as uh Sorry. efficiency rating. A little you bit bring a tr- little,
1: little bit of anger there.
0: What would you say you do here? Does anybody hopefully people get that reference? What would you say you do here? Um uh, the the Ma- Manfred metric is a uh, metric for assessing negative or favorable rule effect dynamics. That was Neil Payne's title. So uh, I, I think it's a good title. It's interesting because it's all going to be rated back to, to Rob Manfred. This is going to be part of his legacy. So you might as well. These are, you know, baseball's most dramatic rule changes in my lifetime, except for like interleague play. And that, at that these, this wasn't anywhere near as, that was anywhere near as dramatic anyway.
1: At the so, time it was. I mean, at the time, I just remember it being like, you know, a biblical event. American League, National League teams will play each other. Cats and dogs living together. Chaos. Just keep throwing movie references.
0: And now and now it's uh yeah, now it's everywhere. Now you can't escape it. Now everybody plays everybody. Everybody has a trophy. Um so what this did is it it took uh 538 runs what's called ELO ratings and and, uh how they project wins for the year. So they take fan graphs, baseball prospectus, Clay Davenport, or used to be baseball prospectus, and ELO ratings, uh projections for the major league season. They kind of put them all into a cocktail sauce together, mix them up, and that's how they get their projection total for the year. And then they took into account the new rules of baseball this year. So the pitch clock, no shifting, um, sprint speed because of, you know, the bases being bigger and the pickoff rule uh, encouraging more stolen bases. They took all of those into effect and into projections and they spit out who would be the most, who would be the best team based on these new rules. Any guess, Jeff, who might be the best team in baseball uh projected win total based on original projections and the new rules being into taken into effect. The Oakland Athletics. Yeah, Oakland Athletics. They are a big fat um 24th. That's that's a good one. I mean they like they like athletes. That would have helped them improve. It um, is your Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians, according to 538's uh, Manfred metric, uh, stand to be the best team in baseball based on these new rule changes. And that is because the guardians, um, shifted the least amount in baseball last year. And I can confirm, I looked this up. The guardians shifted on 17, uh, 48. So 1,748 batters last year. That is the least in baseball. They were third least or third quickest team pitching, um, Between pitches last year, it was, it took 22 seconds between pitches. That was third fastest in all baseball for their pitchers. And they stole 119 bases. Now this at sprint speed, they were first in sprint speed, it says, but they stole 119 bases and it was a, they stole it at a 81% uh, success rate last year, which was third in all of baseball. Um, They had third most steals in baseball, but the Rangers had the first, but they thrown out 41 times. Cleveland was 119 for 27. So between their efficiency on the bases, sprint speed, uh, lack of shifting and or lack of relying on the shift last year and uh, being able to be quick with their tempo on the mound, this new metric says that the guardians are most poised to take advantage of baseball's new rules. I personally am not surprised. Are you Jeff?
1: Um, No. Like this is a team that ran well. It's a team that, you know, as you mentioned, they didn't shift a ton. Uh, you know, as I was trying to think, it would help. You know, I was joking about Oakland, but they are a team that is going to benefit. Like you're looking to the other thing more than anything this else. This says They're not. This does says that they're have not have them shifting into the ranks. It's got it,
0: it's got them shifting from 29th to 24th. So oh, by, yeah, I'm saying by if, like it shows spots. them
1: improving. Like only half the league is actually improving with the metric. So I'm just saying, like it does. Like they are a team that that will be better. Right? The green is a positive improvement. Yes, great and positive. So, yes. So it does again because it's what do, what do, what does Cleveland have? What does Oakland have? What do a lot of these teams the Reds the Rockies have? One of those things you go through the Cubs, the D-backs, it's a lot of the Pirates. It's a lot of young teams, right? That's that's one of those things you see right away, youth. Uh, some of these new rules are going to favor youth. It's going to which it is in some ways kind of insidious if you think about it. Because what is a way to reduce um, veteran contract cost? By shifting the game oh. to younger players. Oh. What is a by changing the rules, it's gonna increase runs, it's gonna increase scoring. We might talk about that, but it also makes there more value in a guy who's a little bit younger, who is on his first contract, not on his second contract. Uh and when you play and again, if you're listening at home, sorry that you can't see it. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Um thank you. But basically, when you go through that list, almost every team at the bottom who are your "Quote unquote bottom feeders," but are also your youngest teams in baseball. Uh, you know, like the Reds. Then, literally, your bottom ten teams until you get to the Marlins um, are all projected better thanks to the new rules, or having gains mm. thanks to the new rules. So, these rules definitely favor, um, you know, younger teams. And what is Cleveland but the youngest team in baseball? And I know the Braves. I think are no, that's the Brewers. I'm having a hard time reading the list, but the Brewers are another team that have some youth coming up. And then you look at you know teams like the Astros that are not built to run, and they're the ones who are going to be a little more hurt. So it is interesting. If you want to go all tinfoil hat conspiracy, this rule train rule change could be actually a way to help suppress salaries. Um, because if you're going to add additional value to the game, that additional value is not affecting most players entering their second contract.
0: I did not honestly think of it that way. That's a that's a good way to look at this. I was just looking at it as. Hey, this is gonna be good for Cleveland I'm Tim,
1: and Tim foil hat guy over here. It's okay. <laughs> if I took all this right. off, you'd see it's all tinfoil just in here. <laughs> Gotta keep them, the aliens, from reading my brain.
0: So that makes me the optimist, and that makes you the conspiracy theorist, I think.
1: I mean I am recording from a basement, so
0: that's fair. You got your don't doomsday supplies down there. That's what's uh, behind the shelf, is, is all your doomsday supplies, your can. It can meet your battery, you Mo- flash.
1: Mostly um Christmas supplies, because we go Christmas crazy here. This is ninety percent Christmas. Um so, so in your
0: post-apocalyptic world, it's gonna be Christmas all the time, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, it'll be like the uh the one factory Xanthi. in Wasteland three, uh, if, if anyone else is a, a nerdy video gamer, um, but without all the terrible bits. But it's it's if you like that series like me, all the bits are terrible bits. But it's a fun game, but you know, we just realize when the world ends, it's it's not gonna be happy everywhere. Um yeah. Okay. Baseball. So
0: yeah, t- did I explain did I explain the metric yes. here pretty well? Because yeah, like the metric's
1: gonna be, you know, a lot of it comes from teams that would shifted heavily no longer get that defensive advantage. Like there are going to be more opportunities. Teams that are running more will also get an advantage. Um, uh, because it does certainly feel like it's not quite a free pass to run, but it is very close to a free pass. And all of this more and more, I, I understand. I don't want to maybe bring up Sean Murphy again, but it does make me a little Murphy sad just because I think his value is just going to escalate so much. Like the Braves were smart. Let me just put it there. The Braves were incredibly smart um, in a very well-run team, very well-run organization, looking at how we've seen how easy it is to run right now, getting an elite catch and throw catcher who can hit is, uh, is valuable. And and like Bo Naylor might be a plus hitter, but he's never going to be an elite catch and throw guy. Um,
0: I disagree with that.
1: You think oh, he I could think be... Bowden,
0: I, think, but I, I don't know I mean, about... the that.
1: arm is, is closer to average, is it not? His pop times last year were sub His pop two. times were good, were solid, but he doesn't the have fine. Yeah, the arm's it fine. It wasn't like the 70 grade, though. It was like the 55-60, right?
0: Yeah, I'd say about a 60 is right. Yeah. I think I think as long as your mechanics are good catching, and I think a 60 grade arm... I, just I don't like, know if you do, you... do you bake in pop time and mechanics into the arm? Because you're... You can, you got to have all of it. You, you could, but you can. If you don't have like a plus plus arm, like a Sean Murphy arm, if your mechanics are good and your release is good and you're working on your efficiency movement, I think you can make up for You can, but when you
1: have the guy who literally has all of it, like he's going to stay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I think Bonader is going to be fine in that respect. I wouldn't be, I'm not saying he's going to
1: be bad. I'm just saying, like, Murphy is kind of alone on a mountain,
0: yeah. Well, at least this way, like I said, this is pitch tempo. So the guardians are careful about how quickly they, they throw the ball. Uh, obviously Klaas K- Even, even with, you know, Bakey in and, and Karen Chak being guys who are slow to the plate or, or slow between slow to the plate. Well, but, but they're slow between yeah. uh, take, uh, 22 seconds last year, but that mm-hmm. was still third quickest in baseball last season. So Cleveland should still be in pretty good shape there. Um, so that, that should help bone and Mike Zeno defensively, they didn't shift a lot last year. So the, uh, who, which team shifted the least or relied on the ship at least last in 2022, which teams ran the bases the best in 2022 and all that points to Cleveland. So I'll be excited for that and see what happens there, but let us know if you, what you think of that. And if we explain the metrics, well, cause I know there are people here who don't love the metrics too much and this isn't, I think it's going to be tracked. It's just, you know, someone came up with a way to put this into a formula and, Thank goodness they did because it's interesting, and and I was not going to do the math personally, but I don't know. It's a good link. It's a good article. Maybe I'll I'll put the link to the article in the, the podcast description for tomorrow.
1: Totally, uh, we are going to come back and discuss even more center field, since mm-hmm. everyone and their mother uh, is unhappy with our takes on center field. My mother even called to complain today, but that'll be in a minute on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. So people. Listen, I understand Miles Straw was not good last year. I'm Like, let's be honest, he was terrible last year. Uh, still better than Austin Hedges, and I bring this up because this team puts specific defensive values at very specific positions. There are places that they want elite defense, and they will punt everything else. That's why Austin Hedges, who was literally the worst hitter in baseball over the last three years, had a near everyday gig in Cleveland. They went out of their way to acquire Miles Straw. They immediately locked up Miles Straw. He is the elite of the elite defensively. Brennan can be a fine defender, but when we're talking about, you know, foreshadowing, when I was talking about Murphy being king of the hill and then, you know, Naylor can be solid, but it's still a, you know, a sizable difference between those two guys. That's what it is with Brennan and Shaw. Like very similar debate here. And I bring this up because what straw does with his glove, his war, I believe fan war was almost equal to a meds last year, even with his terrible performance because his defensive value is so high that it makes him a, 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 even with that year he had an above average performer and center field is a hard position to nail down. And how many great outfield prospects have we seen come up and die like a dog in the big leagues. It's also not the easiest transition and anyone assuming that anyone is going to step up and just be fine from the start is a bit of a fool's errand. Steven Kwan maybe gave us an Oscar Gonzalez, uh, a little too much hope, a little too much. We've kind of forgotten like Oscar or Oscar Mercado, who was fourth on this team in outfield plate appearances a year ago. You know Bradley Zimmer who started the year at the team. Uh, Jackson, Frazier and his ups and downs. We can say that Brennan's a different animal and you and I both have him in the top 10, but Straw is an elite defender signed to a long-term contract who is a big part of that clubhouse leadership group. They didn't bring him in here to ride the bench and yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah I mean I think it would take like I said I've said it before on here I think it would take quite a bit of 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 a slump for him like he last year they weren't going to do it because they weren't going to bring anybody up to replace him at that point you know we're going to bring up Will Brennan in the middle of the season other guys but now you do have other options you could put out there if, if he did slump but I think it would take the same kind of slump he had last year, all year, and I, I just don't think he's that bad of a hitter. And if you look at a lot of his rate stats from last year, you're talking about um how hard he hit the ball like everything he did last year was in line with what he did in 2022 uh, 21. For a guy with I mean, speed, he had a terrible bat hip,
1: he was really unlucky.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't hit any more fly balls, he didn't hit any more pop ups, he didn't hit more ground. I mean, he, he did hit more ground balls than he did a year ago, but you could say the ground balls. Probably are better for a guy like that, and the contact rate is still really good. So he doesn't, he's not swinging and chasing more than he ever did before. Um, nothing, nothing has changed in his batted ball profile to suggest that what he did in 2021 isn't repeatable. Now, do I think he is going to repeat what he did in 2021? I don't know. That's a 97 later runs creative plus. He had 271 I with 350 on base. I, I, I don't was... think, he, yeah, I.
1: That was high water marks. He,
0: he finished the year at a 60, 64. So let's split the difference and say he is somewhere in the eight in the the, the low eighties. If Miles Straw is in the low eighties, like let's say 84, just for good measure. I don't know. 85. Like
1: three and a half win player.
0: Yeah, it's a three and a half win player. You're getting value in defense. If he's getting on base more look, he finished the season with a 291 on base. The uh, that was a hundred almost a hundred points lower. It's it's you know, he was a three forty nine it's uh, 60 points lower than it was in 2021. If Miles Straw can get on base like, I don't know, 32% of the time, let's say a 320 on base, uh, which is what he's projected for by the way is about 320 mid 320s. You're talking about a guy who's going to steal probably 35 bags based on the new rules. He stole he stole 21 bases a year ago with a 291 on base. That's got to improve. We can address that's got to improve. But
1: Sprint speed it's 96 this, percentile a year ago,
0: right? If he gets on base third at a 320 clip, he is going to steal 40, I think, 35 to 40 bases, and that's going to be great. At the bottom from the of line hole from the, the, the nine hole, hole. And that's the other great point here. He started out last season as your leadoff hitter, and he was hot in April. He was yeah. one of the best hitters. Him um, and Ahmed flipped
1: because Ahmed right. was terrible. It was an interesting right.
0: flop. I, I think Miles Straw is is a good fit for the nine hole. I don't I, is he gonna be a good hitter? Look, no, I don't think I don't think Miles Straw is ever gonna be a guy you're like, oh that guy's a really good hitter. I think he's gonna be an okay hitter. He provides great defense in center field. He is gonna run the base as well. He's gonna steal 35 to 40 bases if he's healthy all year. Uh like you said, the contract. I think they're I, I love Will Brennan. I've said time and time again, you just said that he's in our both of our top tens. And I've said time and time again, I told him him, and Andre when he came on that I am higher on Will Brennan than anybody, not with, with the lot last name Brennan. I think you can still find plenty of playing time for both of those guys to benefit you. And yeah, that still includes Miles Straw getting a lot of uh time because he is a great defender. And he, he's not gonna be as bad as he was a year, but I feel comfortable saying that. If, if 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 we're sitting here on October 6th doing the show or October 7th, and he has a way to run plus 64. I will admit that I was 100% wrong, and he's terrible. But if he, I think he'll get into the 80s again. So that's why we're saying the defense and speed, he'll improve over last year. And that's not to say Brennan can't be a better hitter. We both know Brennan's a better hitter. But I think you can benefit from having Brennan in the lineup and Straw, and and it's it's good to have both of them in there.
1: And, and we have heard some concerns talking to some people about Brennan and some sp- platoon splits. I don't know how much to buy into that. It's a very limited sample size that people are getting into. Yeah. But the other thing I want to point out with Straw, too, is like Zips projects him at an 85 runs greater plus. I do want to point out last year he had a 261 bat pip. Now, mm-hmm. league average bat pip is 285. So it was 24 points below average. A fast player typically has a bat pip over 300 even with last year added in, which was, you know, the second most played appearances of his career. It's literally half of his, not literally, it's closer to like 40% of his total major league data. His career back hip is three Oh one, you know, the year before he had a three so you're talking about a 70 point shift. If those two just kind of bounce out a little bit more and he's at 300, which is what his career average is again with two extremes, um, 40 points more to last year's on-base percentage puts him at a 330. He's got a 330 on base and he's stealing 40 bi- stealing 35 to 40 bases. You don't care about the power because he's also the best not only like he is an a, a weird defender. And I say that in the best possible way because oftentimes center fielders aren't known for their arm and he's got a,
0: got a great arm.
1: Great arm for a center fielder. Like an unusually strong arm for a center fielder. And that's what it comes down to. Like, you and I both had Brennan getting 400, 500 plate appearances this year. There is enough. We're not saying, like, glue uh, Brennan to the bench. You and I both have him being a very active part of this team. Because, again, like, like I said, I think Josh Naylor, we all agree, lefties were not his friend a year ago. And that often does not change. There are very few guys who seem to figure out the lefties later on. You know, uh, it's just one of those things we don't see often. So we places for Brennan. And if you just say, well, Brennan's in center field, you you might make this team worse because then you're taking like, okay, so who is put, I guess you're relying on Gabby Arias and Gabby's look great. And there's reasons for, for hope with him also in that. But I think there's a way where you can get all of these guys, some playing time, get everyone a little more rested throughout the year. Also, someone's going to get hurt. Right. Like that is inevitable. This lineup is not going to stay healthy. No lineup does. And then I, uh, the other thing is, don't compare anyone to Steve Kwan. Steve Kwan is a unicorn. Uh, you know, last year Fangraphs put an eighty on his hit tool. That would make him like the. You know, I, I don't know if I'd ever put an eighty on on a hit tool, but like he is a unicorn. He is special. He does things completely Tony on, like Yeah, like Tony, <laughs> Tony Gwynn G- is the eighty hit tool. We're not
0: there. Speaking of stats, real quick, I hate I, I'm gonna do the interrupting so you can go ahead put my, put my bingo card together. I'll I'll bring it up on the on the next podcast. Someone sent this to me, Um Steve Kwan with like a, a being behind in counts, had kind of like the best batting average last year of anybody or best batting average of all time, besides like Tony Gwynn. Oh, just a random yeah. stat there. So there you no, go. Just,
1: he's just he's he's special. Don't put anyone in that comp. It's unfair. It just. The, the one thing, and we talked about this with Andre, go back and listen. And I know someone asked, you glossed over the Oscar Gonzalez hype train stuff. That was also in our Oscar interview or Oscar in our Andre not interview. So you can go back and listen to that. But the one thing we talked about is like, this team is very good at finding unicorns. And Stephen Kwan, he sometimes doesn't get thought of it because he's not big. He's not physical. There's all these other things, but he is a unicorn with what he does. Like he is a hundred percent one of a kind. I, I mean, we all are precious little snowflakes that are different in our own little way. But Stephen Kwan is a baseball um, unicorn. (laughs) There's not guys like him with that approach, that ability to hit, that ability to like take things apart. He's a very good chess player. And it's like, he takes all of those chess skills and applies them right into the baseball game. And yeah, I, I think they are also, this team has shown in the past a tendency to be like, Oh, that guy plays that position really well. Let's not mess with it. So Kwan is probably in left field, no matter what. And that does, you know, limit, Brennan a little bit because I do think there are some people who think left field might be his best home at points I think he'd be fine in center or right um, but I like bottom line Brennan should get 400 at bats this year played appearances this year pretty easy and the other thing I did want to point out that I forgot about earlier is because Strauss is such a great defender the one thing is you're not going to pinch it for him late in games unless it's like the ninth or, so inning so he's not going to get lifted as much late but you know if if you're but if your nine hitter is the best defensive center fielder in baseball, led the Amer- didn't he lead the American League in um, batters thrown out last year?
0: I'm uh, not sure. I have to look that up.
1: I thought he was high on that list. As- outfield assist. I cannot I was, think of the word. Yeah. But uh, who steals thirty plus bases and gets on base at a you know a three twenty five clip? You're winning a lot of games.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to have other parts of your lineup. Yes. carry carry that and, and i think the addition of josh bell and hopefully mike Zanino, you know last year with straw and, and and hedges eight nine you know oftentimes that was a two automatic outs the way he was playing i think again we think that straw will be better this year most people think Straw will be better this year we're not saying he's a great hitter and you're right it's not straw versus brennan it is straw with brennan it is how can how can tito best manage you know put those guys together because they can both help this team win i don't think it's a, a it's Straw or or Brendan. It's it's how do you make them both work for you in, in the best of their abilities? And I think they'll find a way to do it because they're both good players. Um all right, yeah. So Jeff, any final thoughts? I've got one final thought for you. You got any final I, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I do think it's interesting that uh straw was less effective this year, even though his K percentage went down.
0: Right. So maybe and he needs walks to go down.
1: Yeah. Maybe he needs to be a little less selective.
0: That's probably what it is. I don't know.
1: That's, the only, that's really the only big change I could see going through his numbers.
0: Yeah, Jeff. No. Uh, next. No <laughs> next, No next time. The next time we talk, Cuba versus the Netherlands. Richie Palacios playing for the team Netherlands. Eleven o'clock on Wednesday. On Tuesday, March seventh, we'll be just finishing up the podcast. Will you be watching the World Baseball Classic?
1: I'll be continuing to watch uh, Letterkenny reruns. That's been my go-to of late. That, that's what I'm going to watch. We will again.
0: be. We will be doing post-production on the podcast at this time on Tuesday night, and that will be Cuba the Netherlands. I will be watching, and I will tell you all my thoughts because everybody on this channel loves the World Baseball Classic as much as I do, obviously.
1: Go, go, Guardians, go.